Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weitz, and I'm honored to have Doug Gilcrease on the show today to hear his faith journey and how he met Jesus. Doug, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be with you, Noah. Absolutely. Doug is currently working for Athletes in Action in pro ministry and previously spent 27 seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the team's chaplain. And Doug, I want to start by asking about your upbringing. What role did faith or religion play in your early days? Yeah. So on one hand, none. And on the other hand, a lot. Uh, my parents were wonderful. Uh, they had me in church every Sunday. I remember hearing a friend of mine kind of share his testimony one time. I really didn't know what that was. But he talked about having a drug problem. And I remember thinking, gosh, I didn't know that guy did drugs. And then he said, yeah, my parents drug me to church every Sunday morning and Sunday night. And, and so we all got a little chuckle. But that was me. So we were in church Sunday morning. We were in church Sunday night, but it really had no effect on my life. That's just what you did. It was kind of a compartment, right? You went to church. You did the right thing. Uh, I was baptized as an infant. I went through confirmation when I was 13. And so kind of the way I approach things is, hey, I'm just as good as anybody else. And when it's all said and done, I should be fine. But hey, I got my life to live. And that's what I focused on. Yeah, definitely, Doug. And I think you know, for myself, and I think for a lot of students that are involved with, with Uncommon Sports Group, it really is a very similar story to what you just shared in terms of, hey, we grew up in the church. There's things you do, you kind of check the boxes, um, but there, yeah. there isn't that depth um, of that relationship with Christ. So I appreciate you sharing um, what that was like for you in your early days. Yeah, I had no concept of a relationship. I didn't know what that was. God was just there. Yeah. I tried to make sure I stayed out of trouble and didn't do anything really bad. Yeah. But I was just as good as anybody else, and I figured I had just as good a chance as anybody of getting into heaven when I died. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's really the kind of the trick that's played on a lot of us um, that, that we can yeah. often fall into. So I'm excited to hear kind of uh, the, the, the next steps of your story for sure. Uh, and Doug, baseball played a huge role in your life, and you had the opportunity to play at the University of Auburn. And share with us the role that your time at Auburn had on your faith story. Well, it was very significant. So kind of as I was talking about high school, my dream growing up, like a lot of young people, was uh, to play professional sports. I wanted to play professional baseball. Mm -hmm. And so when I had the opportunity to go to Auburn, I was so excited. That was just the next step on my road. Mm -hmm. But an interesting thing happened along the way. We had a, uh, an Athletes in Action staff person at Auburn. I didn't know that at the time. His name was Mike Lasardi, and he was a volunteer coach for the baseball team. And so he would used to always invite me to things, but I wanted nothing to do with him, Noah, because, again, growing up, I if you would asked me if I was a Christian, of course I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. But that was back when Jimmy Carter was the president, and he used to always call himself a born-again Christian. Yeah. And I didn't like those people, right? To me, born-again folks were over the top. Mm -hmm. uh, the guys weren't very athletic. The girls weren't a lot of fun. 
And the way I looked at it, we're all going to end up in heaven anyway. I'm just going to have a lot more fun along the way. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that sounds twisted, but that was my mentality. Mm -hmm. And so Mike would always invite me to things and I would tell him no. But here's the thing. My senior year at Auburn, I had two teammates of mine and they invited me over to their apartment one day. Here's what I didn't know. I wouldn't let Mike near me, but they discipled my two teammates on how to share Christ. And so Rusty and Jamie took the initiative with a long-haired, foul-mouthed, arrogant, self-absorbed person, and they initiated a spiritual conversation with me. Mm -hmm. And they said, Doug, we know you're not real religious, which that kind of threw me off like, come on, man, I know the stories, right? Right. But they said, well, we just want to ask you a couple questions, and if you never want to talk about it again, we won't. And I said, all right, what do you got? I mean, I know knowing the ark, Jonah and the whale, David and Goliath, I'm ready to roll. Mm -hmm. And no, they asked me two questions that changed my life forever. Um, the first was Doug on a scale from zero to 10, zero being positively no, and 10 being positively yes. If you died right now, how sure are you that you'd go to heaven? And basically these are questions out of a, a program called evangelistic evangelism explosion from D James Kennedy down in, in Fort Lauderdale. I've since found out Mm -hmm. zero to 10. And I thought five because that's where I thought I was. But I didn't. I needed a little more fudge room. That made me nervous. So I said seven. Yeah. And they said, "All right." They said, "Well, if you were to die today and you stood before God and He said, why should I let you into heaven?' What would you say?" I said, "All right, I'm gonna get these jokers off my back, right?" So I was baptized in my grandfather's christening gown. It was a huge deal. Went through confirmation. One summer in high school, I worked for the church. Um, I mowed the church grounds. I buffed the floors. I vacuumed the sanctuary. I mean, that's like the Holy of Holies, right? I helped serve the Lord's Supper, collect the offering. And if that wasn't enough, my mom served with meals on wheels, and my dad counted the money after church. Hmm. And so to me, that was just a mic drop. I thought I was good. But they went on and shared the gospel with me, no? And they Hmm. said, Doug, that's great, but that's not what it takes. And they helped me to understand that God created me. I knew that. Mm -hmm. But that he wanted to have a relationship with me. I'd never heard that before. I always viewed God kind of like the the distant grandfather in a rocking chair, yeah, right? Right. And the only time he really cared about me is when I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. But they helped me understand, no, he created you and he wants to know you personally, but there's a problem. And I thought, oh, here we go. Here comes that sin stuff, because that's all those born-again people wanted to talk to me about was my right. sin. Yeah. But for yeah. some reason, no, this time it hit me different. Mm-hmm. And I never argued with that. I knew. I, I, I cheated and lied and did things. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it, it, God allowed me to understand that day And they said, but here's the worst part. Not only did your sin separate you, but there's nothing you could do about it. Mm. And that really messed me up. But they said this, because he loves you so much, he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. See, the only way to get into heaven is by being perfect, and you can't be. Mm. But he sent Jesus, who lived the perfect life, died on the cross to pay for your sins, was buried and rose again, and he's alive today. And he offers his death on the cross in exchange for your sin. Mm. But they said it's not enough just to know that. you got to make a decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ to repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And wow, no, that messed me up. Yeah. And I said some unkind things to them. You would have thought when they shared the best news ever, I would have been grateful. Yeah. But it really messed with me because I thought, how could I have been in church my entire life and nobody ever told me that? Mm. But not only that, I had some uh, expectations of things I wanted to accomplish. And in the minor leagues, there's a lot of fun that goes along with that. Yeah. And all of a sudden now I'm conflicted because if I'm going to do this God thing, I can't do that stuff. So again, I had a warped view of what a relationship with God looked like. Right. But my time at Auburn was massively significant spiritually because of Mike Lasardi and Rusty and Jamie Basso. Wow. 
Wow. Doug, I appreciate you sharing a you know, powerful story. Yeah. Uh, and amazing to really think about those questions for ourselves, right? I think for our listeners, even using yeah. that, you know, tactic that your friends use for themselves, I think is, is really vital. So I appreciate you sharing. And Doug, yeah. you heard the gospel. When did it really become a, a relationship and surrender uh, to Christ for you? What was that like and what change did it bring into your life once you'd made that decision? So I'm very fortunate. So not only Rusty and Jamie through the Ministry of Athletes in Action, which I'm with now, mm-hmm. but when I got drafted, I got drafted by the Kansas City Royals. And in the minor leagues, they have a ministry called Baseball Chapel. Wow. And so from the time I started playing, my rookie season, they had chapel. And every Sunday, it was just a businessman in the community mm-hmm. would show up and do a 10-minute chapel. And guys would invite me, and I'd say, eh, I'm good. I just wanted to do all the things I wanted to do. But it was so unsatisfying. It was like trying to fill a bucket up with water that has a hole in it. Yeah. And um, I think of the passage in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the, the, the greatest man, maybe the wisest, the wealthiest ever. Mm-hmm. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, and yet it was vanity like chasing after the wind. Mm-hmm. Nothing was gained under the sun. Mm-hmm. So not that I was at Solomon's level. But I was chasing after things I thought would bring satisfaction, and it just left me empty. Yeah. So going into my third year, there was a, an individual, Mike Kingery. He was on my team the second year, really strong Christian. But there's something different about him. I saw him live his life out. He'd live his mm-hmm. faith out through some very difficult times. Yeah. He would invite me to church. For whatever reason, he was disarming. So when he invited me to chapel, I would go. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of, again, him sowing into my life, before the 1984 spring training, I happened to be in Florida for a special program, and he invited me to come to church with him. And so I went to church, and no, I, I had no idea what an invitation was. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting there at the end, and we laugh about this now, mm-hmm. but what's the most famous popular invitation song, Just As I Am? And so we're in this small little Baptist church, and the pastor said, hey, if there's anybody here who wants to rededicate their life, raise their hand. I had no idea what that meant. And then he said, if there's anybody here who's never trusted Christ and wants to do that, raise your hand. And I had been wrestling, though. It had been two and a half years since that conversation with my teammates at Auburn. Mm -hmm. I knew what I needed to do. I just didn't want to do it because I had all these misperceptions of what being a Christian would be. I'd never have any fun, and my life would be boring. So right there in that little church, I raised my hand. Well, little did I know, I mean, that guy probably just about came out of his drawers because they started singing and singing. They must have sung four or five stanzas, and every time he would pan the audience, he would look right at me. And no, I just wanted to crawl under the carpet. I wanted out of there. I was feeling such conviction. So I turned to Mike. Finally, I said, Mike, what do I do? That was me. Mm. And he said, go down forward. And here's what I said, Noah. I said, I can't do that. That would make me a Baptist. See, I grew up in a different denomination, and we used to get on the Baptist. It's ironic. I go to a Baptist church now. But I walked out, walked up front. And I remember an elder came up and he said, would you like me to pray with you? I said, no, sir, I know what I need to say. And I just knelt down and I said, Jesus, I, I, I give up. I've been running. I know what I need to do. I'm yours. Uh, you have my life. Forgive me of my sins. And from this point on, I'm yours. And uh, I didn't have an emotional. There wasn't a huge, I didn't hear the hallelujah chorus. Right. But I stood up and um, I will say this. It was a little awkward because after church, all these people lined up to congratulate me because I didn't understand the decision I made. Mm. And these ladies were crying and hugging me. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? (laughs) But the funny thing now is when I'm with somebody who trusts Christ, 
Now I know how they feel. Mm. See, they knew my eternal destiny had just changed that moment. Mm. And they were so excited for a total stranger they didn't even know. And so now when I see guys come to Christ, I say, hey, I know this may be weird, but can I hug you? Because now I understand. And so that's uh, the day that I became a Christian, actually January 7th, 1984. Wow. Doug, appreciate you sharing that story. I think it's even really cool to see along your story how many people impacted you um, I think yeah. about if your friend didn't invite you to church that day, would it have happened? Um, it's those people that you surround yourself with that really pour into you that I think for Christians listening now, if you have a friend or family member that's you know, interested in the faith or maybe on the periphery or haven't, hasn't surrendered to Christ, to really be that person for them. So I think that's something our students can learn from your story is the impact yeah. that people had on you and the willingness they had to share the gospel with you, invite you to church and do those things that really helped you uh, to eventually surrender your life to Christ. So it's awesome. Yeah. And if I could add one thing, Noah, they initiated with me. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't ask my teammates in college. I didn't ask Mike. I didn't. And I think that sometimes that's what we miss. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can do, be too passive. And yes, we need to live a good life. And I guess there's a saying out there that says, share Christ at all time. And if necessary, use words. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. Yes, our life needs to be a reflection of Christ and we should be attractive. But you got to have words to share the gospel. Absolutely. And so Jamie and Rusty took a chance and initiated a spiritual conversation with me that I had no intention or desire to have. Now, they didn't browbeat me. If I would have been upset, they would have backed off. Right. You know, Mike Kingery initiated. And so mm-hmm. I think that's something in the church we can do a better job of is, is always having Christ on the forefront of our mind and thinking through how can I transition normal everyday conversations into spiritual conversations with the hopes that we would have the opportunity to share Christ with someone just like Rusty and Jamie did with me. Yeah, absolutely, Doug. I agree, and I think that's a tremendous learning point for all of us as believers as we continue to walk this life with Christ. So I appreciate you sharing. Mm-hmm. And Doug, obviously you mentioned earlier that dream you had of playing baseball professionally. You did play professionally for five years uh, before mm-hmm. you decided to serve the Lord in ministry. We'd love to hear what led you to make a probably a pretty difficult decision to give up the baseball dream and to serve the Lord in ministry? Well, it's funny the way you phrase that. I did not decide to serve the Lord, yeah. <laughs> right? right? It was almost like a Gideon or a moment, Moses moment. Yeah. So I became a Christian about halfway through my career. Uh, that didn't change anything. I still wanted to make it to the big leagues, but now God's starting to do some things in my heart. Yep. I started understanding how to hear His voice. And no, to be honest with you, um, at the end of 1986, God very clearly said, Doug, I want you to move on. Mm-hmm. And that made zero sense to me, right. but I'm grateful enough that I'd made enough mistakes and said no enough to realize I don't want to be outside of the will of God. Right. And so, God, I have no idea what you're doing. I have no qualifications to do this. I love the old saying, and it's definitely true of me, that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Now, he may call some qualified people, but I definitely was not. But I think that's a part of it because the more helpless and hopeless you feel, yeah. uh, the more dependent you're going to be on God, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And so I had no intentions of quitting, uh, no desire to do that, never saw myself in vocational ministry. But I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to trust you. And I retired after uh, the the spring season of 1986. He didn't call me to something that was a little confusing too. So I worked for a while before he called me on staff with Athletes in Action. But that was a tough transition and a tough time of life. I'm just grateful I'd learned enough by then that I'd be willing to trust him with that decision. Absolutely, Doug. And I do think, you know, for for so many people, you know, walking the Christian life can be really hard because sometimes the desires we have uh, are very different from what God desires and wills for our life. And it can be 
such a challenge to be able to lay down the things that you have had planned or, or have dreamed of in your life to say, you know what, God, I'm going to do that. And so I think seeing your story, <clears throat> excuse me, and really uh, the first time I heard it, you know, back in Tampa in November, it blew me away just to see that you laid down such a, a big dream you had and you were on the, on the track to get there. Um, to, to be obedient to God's will. And I think for our students, that's something to really learn from um, and to apply to their own lives. Is It, it means a lot more to, to serve something that is eternal uh, than to serve something that is finite. So I appreciate you sharing that. And it's definitely an encouragement. And to follow up on your thought there, he may call us to something we didn't want to do and don't feel equipped to do. Mm-hmm. But in your heart of hearts, as you follow him, it's amazing how he milled your desires. So as I look back, Mm-hmm. What a perfect training ground. I thought I was trying to make it to the big leagues, but all along God knew he was equipping me for ministry. Yeah. So even though I was scared to death, didn't feel qualified, deep down inside there was a part of me that said, oh my gosh, yeah. this is what God created me for. And wow. so you don't go dragging, kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is overwhelming initially, mm-hmm. but it's so neat to see how God confirms things as you continue to trust him yeah. and how much your heart then lines up with his right. and what it is he's called you to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does, Doug. And I think from my own story, I can relate, you know, pretty, pretty similarly. Um, actually, in, in growing up, uh, loved sports, played sports. And then uh, in my college years, I was a basketball manager at Butler University and desired to work in sports in some mm. capacity. Um, did two summers with the Indianapolis Colts as well. So I had this experience in my belt. I said, hey, I'm going to work in sports. Um, and then when my uh, time to surrender my life to Christ came, I recognized that maybe that's not where I'm called. Um, and obviously, mm. uh, Uncommon Sports Group came about, and, and now it's a combination of those two things. And I see why I had those experiences. It wasn't for me um, or to you know, build my career, but it was God preparing me for ministry. Uh, so I appreciate oh. you sharing that. I think it's... No, fun. that's great. Very fun. similar. Very similar. So definitely, Doug, I appreciate you sharing. And obviously, Doug, ministry is different from baseball in a lot of ways. Uh, what challenges did you face spiritually as you began to walk out uh, in, in obedience and in, in serving in ministry? One of the things that hit me hard, Noah, is I guess I never realized how insecure I was, mm-hmm. right? So here I played baseball from the time I could remember. Mm-hmm. I felt very confident, very competent. I could play in front of thousands of people and it didn't even phase me. Yeah. But now God called me to do something that was totally out of my element. One, growing up, I was terrified of public speaking. Yeah. literally mortified. Whenever I had to take a class, I couldn't sleep for days. Mm. And um, all of a sudden now, that's one of the main things I have to do. Right. Um, sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. I never really did that much, kind of to what I talked about before. As a new believer and probably five or six years in, I just didn't share my faith much because nobody showed me how and right. I just didn't know how to do it. Well, that's another thing I was going to do that I, I felt very uh, unqualified or inept at. And so one of the, the major transitions and transformations God had, had to do in my heart yeah. was in the area of identity, right? So for so many years, my value and worth as a person was in playing sports. And that's true of a lot of men and whatever they do business-wise. Totally. And so what I had to realize over time, I tell people it's like spiritual open-heart surgery. It took time. It was painful yeah. for God to help me to understand that my identity is in Him and, and who He says I am. Yep. But that happened through the course of a lot of failures, a lot of absolutely pathetic public speaking events, just falling on my face and different things, being humiliated and embarrassed. Mm. But every time coming back and say, okay, I'm going to trust you and just getting a little better and a little better and a little better. So to answer your question, I guess I didn't realize how insecure I was until God did call me on staff. 
But again, to the point we talked about before, uh, what did Paul say? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Mm. I think we're yeah. the most useful oftentimes to God when we do feel very weak yeah. and inadequate and it forces us to trust in him. Absolutely, Doug. You know, I appreciate you sharing that too. I think for a lot of you know, especially myself, but a lot of young young people, it's it's tough to be able to have the confidence to get in front of a crowd uh, and speak and especially share the gospel. Uh, one of the things we do actually on our weekend gatherings with our students is community outreach, uh, which mm. involves uh, sharing our faith with individuals that are uh, less uh, served in, in the community that we're in. Um, and mm. that's always uh, been a tough thing to, to do, even for myself, but especially for our students. Um, and I think that is... You you have to do those things. I think it's just like any other sport. You, you got to practice what you preach, right? If you're not practicing, you won't be able to go out and actually do it. So, uh, it's yeah. it's doing those things. It's sharing the gospel. Um, it's being, you know, for one big thing for me is I got to pour into myself. I got to be in the Word. I got to be in prayer in my own time. If I'm gonna mm-hmm. go out and be feel confident to to speak in front of people, to do these podcasts, to share the gospel, and if I'm not doing those things in my own time, it's gonna be a struggle. So, appreciate yeah. you sharing. I think the challenges that you mentioned are something that a lot of our students face um, in their careers as well. So. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm grateful for, and you had it too, is there are people that challenged me, right? I would have never done that on my own. Right. So when I came on staff, here I am, I'm on staff with Athletes in Action Campus Crusade. I'm supposed to be this great whatever. Right. I'm scared to death. And one of the first things they had us do is go share on the beach in Daytona. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so we went out there with some tracks, and you hit the beach. Where do you start? What do you do? Well, right. you just walk up some dudes who are drinking, and hmm. you just fire away, and some of them reject you, but some of them let you talk, and then you see these amazing stories of people who genuinely get saved there, and then the next night, they've been saved today. They just take the booklet, and they're sitting with somebody at the bar. And so, again, that's just kind of, I, I feel bad. I'm so grateful for the people that poured into me because on my own, I wouldn't have done it. Right. But I think in the body of Christ, we miss so much of the mm. essence of the Christian life. We've all been yeah. called to represent Jesus Christ. We're his ambassadors. Mm. We're called to go and make disciples. Uh, yeah. Second Corinthians 5, guys get tired of me saying it, but we're all in full-time ministry. Yep. No matter who you are, you're in full-time ministry. It's my vocation, but we are all called to make disciples in full-time ministry. Second Corinthians 5, we're to be ministers of reconciliation. So if we're not sharing our faith, we're missing a big aspect of what the Christian life's about. And there's so much joy in that, right? I mean, the thing that God, every morning when I get out of bed, might choose to use me to change somebody's eternal destiny blows my mind. But I would have never got there had people not pushed me beyond where I wanted to go. And even today, i got to challenge myself because it's not easy. So it sounds like we were both very fortunate to have people in our lives that— pushed us in ways we never would have, but it has turned out to be a tremendous blessing. Yeah, absolutely, Doug. If you don't mind, I want to highlight what you said in terms of we're all in full-time ministry. That is so true, um, and I think for our students, <clears throat> obviously their goal is to work in sports, right, which is tremendous, uh, tremendous goal, um, but I think the impact they can have eternally um, is far more important than any job title or success that they could have in the industry, and I think that's what uh, really our ministry is all about, is, is helping um, these students really grow um, into understanding that we're all in ministry. We're all working yep. towards the, the common goal as believers to, to, to share the gospel and to reconcile those who are lost to God um, as yep. God's ambassadors, as you mentioned. So I appreciate you sharing. Well, that's what was fun about y'all being down here, right? It was fun hearing yeah. each of them go around the circle and what they were doing. Right. And a lot of them are in spaces I never could be in. Some of them were coaches, some equipment managers, some here, some there. God wants yeah. people in all those areas. Absolutely. And I love the fact that they would initiate with you to come and be a part of your program so that they could be equipped then to do ministry. So they are way ahead of the game in that respect. So it was a lot of fun being with with them, and it was really encouraging and inspiring for me. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Appreciate it, Doug. Definitely. It was fun to hear from you as well. And I know that your story has impacted our students and I know that this story will also uh, impact mm. our listeners as well. And Doug, a very uh, interesting and, and fun part of your journey was the 27 seasons you spent uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the team chaplain. Uh, share with us the impact that your time in Tampa had on your personal walk with Christ. Yeah, so <clears throat> a lot of different things happened, but I think if I had to boil it all down, and I've used the word several times here thinking through it, it would come down to the word trust, mm-hmm. right? Um, we love to quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and that's a great verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Yep. And so as I look back over the course of my Christian life and our ministry, um, I'm so grateful that God put me in situations, small ones, to where I could see that I trusted when I just take those little baby steps that I didn't even want to take. Yeah. And then when it came time for the big steps, he came through every time. Yeah. So leaving baseball, massive trust. And we don't have time for me to go into the story in depth. Coming on staff, I was scared to death. I wanted nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Trust, yeah. right? Uh, we get to Kansas. We've been there for three years. I thought I'd be there a while. We just buy a new house in a new neighborhood. And three months later, God says, I want you in Tampa. Wow. Well, wait a minute. How am I going to sell a new house? I have yeah. baby number two on the way. Trust me. Yep. We come down here, need a story. My wife's parents had gone through some things in Michigan. They moved to Lakeland, Florida for a period of about six months. Wow. Wouldn't you know that's the exact time we came down here? Oh, man. So when we come here, we live with them, drive over to Tampa. It got to be a little much. And so I went to the pastor of my church. And again, that's another long story. He was my chaplain in Memphis. Hadn't seen him in seven years when we reconnect here in Tampa. Wow. And I just told him our situation. He said, hey, I have a friend who manages some apartment mm-hmm. complexes. I'll get you in touch with him. Wow. I call him up, explain our situation. We're making a mortgage payment. We don't make much as it is. Mm-hmm. We're trusting God by faith. We raise yeah. our support. And I didn't want to be a charity case, but it was what it was. He said, yeah. well, what do you think you could afford? I said, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I, I may be able to scrape up a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. He said, you got it. I'll give you the apartment for $200. Wow. I mean, that just doesn't happen, right? No. That's but when you trust wow. God, he takes care of you. And so all along the way, I could tell you stories about cars and paying bills and, and having to raise support coming on staff terrified me. Yeah, I have not missed a meal, Noah. I have not missed a meal. Now, we've had some challenges, and there's been different things. Who doesn't? Yeah. And so if I could just say one thing to people listening, God is trustworthy. Yeah. Right. You can trust him, whether it's a health issue or relationship issue, whether he's calling you to do something. I know this can sound like trite words, but it is so true. Trust mm. in the Lord with all, not mm. part, yeah. all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. We're going to come to forks in the road, and everything yeah. in us is going to scream, go this way, because that's what makes sense in our yeah. human reasoning. Yeah. God's like, no, trust me. Yeah. Trust me. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I'm a living example of that. And so if I could just encourage people with one thing, is, is that God can be trusted. No matter what the circumstances look like, no matter how overwhelming, no matter how inadequate you feel, mm-hmm. trust God. Just keep taking one step at a time and see what he won't do. Yeah. Wow, Doug. And I appreciate you sharing that. I think, too, just seeing the faithfulness that, that God allows you to have um, in those moments is super, super encouraging for, for all of us as believers. Because uh, mm-hmm. we, we all face situations, especially at the age that a lot of our listeners are in, is, is that young stage of life, right? Heading into a relationship or a marriage or a new job or a moving to a new city. I mean, there's things that can be really scary. Um, it can oftentimes yeah. uh, create fear in us and, and allow us to, to lean on our understanding instead of God's. And so I think hearing your story um, will, will really help our students see that 
if you do trust him, uh, if you lean on his understanding uh, as opposed to your own, uh, he'll take care of you. I think of uh, Matthew 6, 25 and 26, uh, where Jesus says, you know, the birds of the air don't sow or reap, but the Lord your God mm. provides for them. Um, and I think for us, we read that verse, and oh, yeah, you know, God will provide for me, but we don't actually believe that he will. And we, we rely on our own finances, or our own jobs, and mm. do, do all these things on our own, our own time, not trusting that God actually will if we trust in him. Um, so I yeah. think, again, your story is a, a very evident testimony of that. I appreciate you sharing. Super cool. Well, that's a great reminder, and I hope I'm okay sharing this. You made me think of one more big trust area. Yeah. I don't share this a lot. Uh, when people ask me, I do. But I had someone pour into my life, my cousin, very godly man, and through that, God challenged me and my wife to trust God with our family size. Yeah. And a lot of people don't talk about that. But he said, Doug, I want you to trust me. So we got married, and I think just to show that he was in control, we didn't get pregnant our first month. Yeah. But over the next 10 years, we had six children. Yeah. And so we had five, and then we miscarried. We had number six, then we miscarried three times, and then we've never been able to get pregnant since then. Wow. And if you would have looked at it, people would have thought we're nuts. You don't have the money for it. Mm. Uh, you, are you going to have the mental capacity? Can you love that many? Yeah. And again, maybe I'm going from preaching to meddling here, <laughs> but I think that we shortchange ourselves a lot in terms of not viewing children the way God does. Now, again, yeah. I probably stepped on some toes there, but I don't go out preaching and teaching and telling, mm -hmm. but it's amazing to know how many people God brings our way. Yeah, They ask us, and I just ask them one question, one question. I said, did you pray about who to marry? Absolutely. Did you pray about your vocation? Absolutely. And I walked down a litany of questions. And then I say this, did, have you ever prayed about giving God your family size? No, in 32 years, I've never had one person say yes. Wow. Not one. Yeah. And so why would that be an area we could keep off limits to God when we claim to not keep any other ones. Yeah. So again, maybe people think I'm meddling, but when you ask me in my life, trust it was the major thing. And that is a very big area that God called us to trust him in. So grateful yeah. he provided. Yeah. I could tell you stories about college and everything else, how he amazingly took care of it. So they're all in their twenties now grown off doing their wow. thing, but we couldn't imagine not having done it that way. So we're so yeah. grateful. And that was another major area that God called us to trust him in. Yeah, Doug. Wow, I appreciate you sharing. I think that's, that is something even myself, you mentioned you haven't heard anybody say yes to that in that long. That's something I've never even, I'm not in that stage of my life yet, but it's something I've never thought about. And I think it's, it's super, super inspiring um, to see just that level of trust that, that God allowed you to have. Um, and just really, I think, in, in terms of what you mentioned, too, about praying for a job opportunity or praying for who you marry, I think those are things we don't, always do a lot um and it's more so we kind of think about it in terms of like all right uh, let me just pen down the good things and the pros and cons and we'll figure it out on my own instead of giving it up to god i know one area i struggle with um and definitely have, have gotten a lot better in thanks to god's grace um i feel like when i first came to faith i didn't always trust that prayer really worked mm. i knew i needed to i knew that it was something wow. i had to do let's have a mm -hmm. let, me, let me have a conversation with god but then i would leave my prayer time and then I would be back to trusting myself, um, mm. not relying on what he's doing, um, even sometimes making decisions that uh, I knew were wrong. But I was like, well, I, I think this is OK. I think I can handle myself. I think I can you know, avoid falling into that sin. I'm not like other people. And then you know, I go do it. Mm. And I, I fall into that sin. Right? I'm no different than anybody else. I need to trust the Lord and what he says in his word. 
Um, mm. And I think that's an area I've grown in, but I think for our listeners and what you mentioned is prayer has extreme power if we allow yep. it to. If we allow mm. ourselves to hear God's voice and, and quiet our own, um, there can be tremendous, uh, uh, I think, healing in our lives. and It'll allow us to really grow into in the living God's will as opposed to our own. So appreciate yeah. sharing. No, that's good. It's awesome. Doug, lastly, you might have mentioned, but just what is one piece of advice you would like to share with our listeners that they can take from your story? Wow. Well, probably what I just said, right? The trust piece. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, again, simple, but it's so much of the part of life, right? Um, uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. Absolutely. Uh, and, a, and a synonym for faith is trust. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite verses, and it's interesting, one of the guys who shared Christ with me in Pro Bowl, a few weeks later, we were on the road, and his this girl comes down in the stands and wants to talk with me. And I'm like, who is this? And she said, hey, I'm David's sister. I'm like, oh, wow. And she handed me a book that I still have in my office today. And it had two verses on an index card, Galatians 2.20 and Galatians 6.14. Wow. And I memorized them. And Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. And I've tried to live by that verse ever since. Wow. We're not our own, right? He purchased us with his blood. Yep. And he wants us to live by faith, which is trust. Yep. And so have I done that perfectly? No. Uh, do I still fall at times? Yes. But mm. thankfully, by his grace, he taught me enough early on that I trusted him with those small things so that when I started trusting him with the big ones, I talked to guys about having a spiritual scrapbook. My wife used to do a thing called the... Uh, Oh, what was that called? It was a, a photo, photography, um, something, memories. They would get together and scrapbook. They, nice. they called it a crop till you drop. Nice. And uh, they would do these amazing scrapbooks and, and have all these colors and pictures and things cut out. Creative memories is what it's called. And so I tell guys, you need to have uh, your own spiritual scrapbook. It's one thing to hear my stories or Noah's stories. Those are great. But when are you going to start having your stories? Yeah. And when you start developing your own spiritual scrapbook with big things, mm-hmm. you always have that to look back on when, once again, you're you're at a fork in the road. It never changes. I'm 61. Right. I'm sure by God's grace, if he lets me live until I'm 80, there'll be things I have to keep trusting him for. Yep. So that never goes away. And so, again, if I could just say one thing, you, God is trustworthy. Absolutely. He's trustworthy. He'll come through for you. And that's what we've been called to live as a life of faith, a consistent life of trust in the one who knows everything, the one who's sovereign in control of everything, and the one who loved us enough to send his son. So how could I not trust somebody like that? Amen. Amen, Doug. Doug, it was an honor having you on the show today. Thank you for sharing your testimony with us. Well, it's great being with you. Now. I appreciate what you do and what you all do as a ministry. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. Absolutely. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry, as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern Time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.